Welcome to the special part two release of the Pedagogy Toolkits episode on organizing and managing your online course in a way that sparks joy for you. This episode is a continuation of our conversation with Blackboard Support Coordinator, Abby Mosier. Abby begins the conversation by saying, you don't have to do it all at once. Join us for part two of our conversation. this the first day that you walk into the classroom. Sometimes instructors get a class and they only have like two weeks of lead time to develop their course. Now, for our online classes, we have instructional designers that are going to help you. Things may already be built, but sometimes you get a class that's pretty empty and you don't have a lot of material in there. What we want to make clear is that you don't have to do it all day one. You can work on building your course. Build those first two weeks, work on your organization, build out your syllabus, spend your time where it helps students know where you're going. Even if you don't have every week made and every bit of material in there, as long as they have a roadmap for where you're going next, it's fine. You can build as you go. Then you'll have that perfect course by the end. Now, we're going to pause here for clarification. Abby is a face-to-face instructor. and. Best practice in online instruction is actually that we start with a complete course before students gain access. However, a complete course includes space to still enhance and supplement the lessons with additional resources, especially when students are not understanding. It also includes a way for you to add those introductory or conclusion videos that we talked about in part one of this episode last week. Now back to our conversation with Abby. And you want your foundational things in there. You want your major assignments. Mm -hmm. You want, you know, like you were talking about objectives so students know what's being asked (laughs) of them. Uh, you, You want those basic components. But then, honestly, some of it you want to leave out. You don't want to create your introduction videos, you know, Five weeks ahead of time because you don't know how your students are going to be responding to the material that time. So you won't be able to address anything that that's going on in the course uh, if you if you don't kind of wait and say, hey, you know, last week I noticed this. And these don't have to be formal videos. You can do some formal videos. Sure. Absolutely. But but these can be, hey. Here I am on Zoom, Sunday night. (laughs) I was just reading over your discussion board posts, and I see a lot of questions about why the spleen does what it does. Now, let's make sure that we're all clear that next week we're not talking about the spleen anymore, but I really wanted to address these things, right? You can have those kind of things in there that aren't so formalized. It's great to do that. Students get to really see you. So yeah, build out the shell of your course, but you can keep adding to it. You, we don't expect you to be perfect on day one. You know, by the end of the semester, you may be great at those introductory videos. You may have yourself a little outline that you've created, 
the first couple ones, you may be like, hey guys, I've never done introductory videos before. I'm showing you that I'm learning as we go as well. I'm really excited to see how this works out. And by the end, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> My watch just told me to move. I better it's, get going. It's been sitting too long. So yeah, by the end of the semester, hopefully you've, you've worked on that and you feel comfortable, but just know that everybody's learning all the time. That's the whole goal of the university experience. Nobody is stagnant and staying in one place. We're all trying to grow and get better. Your students, you, us, everybody. Right. And modeling that is really important because some students may not have seen that, even though they're at university, you think they would have. But for some students, especially those who are high achieving, ironically enough, Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to put in a lot of or they haven't at this point had to put in a lot of effort to their work because they haven't experienced things that are difficult. And so, you know, modeling that time where you are learning where maybe you experience a difficulty and you can't get something to work and um you try a few different things then then that's really important to show your students as well because you're not just teaching them your content you're teaching them intellectual inquiry in general and how do i face these problems and it's also we we also encourage faculty and students to reach out for help right that's such a big thing i had this problem when i was in grad school that i thought the rule was you had to do it all on your own And that's not the rule of higher education. Now, you can't borrow someone else's work. That's a big deal. (laughs) But you can say, I'm really confused by this and come to someone's office hours. Instructors love it when you come to their office hours. By the way, if some student is magically listening to this, go to instructor's office hours. Your grade will go up. (laughs) Yeah, well, and office hours, again, is another of those things that count toward... Regular and substantive interaction. (laughs) (laughs) We need those. Like, encourage your students to do office hours. And you can have that Zoom session. And maybe, now here's one of those, how could I multitask with my time? Maybe you have a Zoom session with a student who asks you a really good question. And they say, hey, I'm in a study group for your class. We meet online on Tuesdays. And this came up. You can go, hey, man, do you mind if I record the next five minutes? And I'm going to explain this to you. I'm going to hide the participants in this, but I'm going to share my screen with you and spend five minutes going through this. And then I'll have that recorded and I can post that in the class for everybody else. Look at you. You have done a, a explanatory video. You've done your office hours. You've given that student feedback. You are winning, right? right? So you can do those things all together. And once you get more comfortable using different technologies, you'll start to see how it might work for you, right? Some classes that may not be an effective tool, but in some classes that may be something you could do every week. Yeah. So one of the things we haven't talked about yet that I think is super important is part of that feedback. And if you've ever been to a training that I do, you've heard me say this a hundred times, or if I've been on the phone with you, you've heard me say it a hundred times, or if I've looked at your grade center, I've told you this a hundred times, you got to put zeros in for students when they don't do work. Okay. Now in the future with collaborate or with not collaborative ultra in the future with blackboard ultra, it's going to have an option to automatically put in zeros for you. I love that feature. It's going to be great, right? Like that after the due date, they get a zero. But one of the things that I'll probably be pushing then too, is that whenever you give a student a zero, that you give yourself a comment about why they have the zero. Right. Same with if you exempt somebody so you can give them a zero and it'll count against them. You can exempt them and it doesn't count against them. 
either way, add a comment. So if you've got a zero on this, this is remember from our syllabus, you're allowed two zeros in our class, right? This is your first zero. If it's an exemption that you leave a comment for yourself that says, this was an excused absence for a basketball road game, whatever it is. But those comments your students can see. And they give you a timestamp of when that happened. So many times students get to the end of the semester and an instructor will go back through and put in zeros for work they didn't do. And it impacts their grades drastically. I have a thing in my syllabus that says, I will grade your work within a week of it being turned in. And you have a week after I put in a grade to ask about it. And after that week, that grade is set in stone and you don't get to bring it up with me at the end of the semester. I hide that column for myself. It no longer exists. Right. So by the end of the semester, my grade center is three columns because I need to see the total and the last two projects. And it's so satisfying. It's so clean. It's beautiful. But if any student comes to me and says, well, no, but I, I took quiz one. And I say, you got a zero on quiz one. Let's go look at that column. And I will go and look at the column and say, you got a zero on October 22nd. I told you clearly in the syllabus and we did a syllabus quiz that said that you understood that you have a week after a grade is entered to come to me to talk about it. And you haven't talked about it till the end of the semester. So no, you cannot retake quiz one because you had a week to talk about it. And it gives me that corroboration that I don't have to like, I don't have to change things for a student. Now, I'm pretty understanding. In my class, I dropped the two lowest quiz grades. But it does mean they do 12 quizzes instead of 10. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it depends on how you're using those things. But putting those zeros in there gives you that timestamp so that they can't come to you at the end of the semester and ask you to change things. So this will also help you if you ever have a student that comes to you with an academic integrity issue. Right? So if you are grading things as you go, if you're taking students' feedback, you're giving them feedback, if something comes in later, and you say, this was turned in on this date and graded on this date. What happened later by another student, right? All of those things are important that you stay up to date on grading and on keeping an eye on your feedback for them so that if anybody needs to come in to look at your class later and see what's happened in there, that all of that information is set for you, that you don't have to come to us for an activity report. You can say, it happened on this date. Here it is. It's logged. It's really handy for a lot of instructors and it's really good for students. They need to know that they got a zero on that. In Blackboard, if you don't give them a grade, that grade stops showing for them because it's not an upcoming assignment anymore. And it's also not a graded assignment. Those are the two things they see are upcoming and graded, <laughs> right? If they didn't submit something, if they didn't get a grade, they can't see it anymore. So you want to make sure that you're giving them that so they've got a visual cue that that happened. Otherwise to them, it just disappeared. Right. And I mean, checking it for yourself is enough. <laughs> it's enough of a reason, but it's also all the other stuff is but, real. <laughs> yeah. But also all the other stuff. Yes. Um, but because I would never remember why a student got a zero when I get to the end of the semester. And sometimes instructors will say, oh, well, I left a blank because they had, I gave them an extra week. Right. You can go in, give yourself, give them a zero on it and leave the comment that says, remember, this has to be turned in by such and such date. That information needs to be there. It's a good reminder for you and for your student that 
if it isn't turned in by then, that's what you talked about in class when they came up to you and said this, right? Yes. Well, and the zero will stress them out. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, it's a reminder. Yes. It, I want to get that zero out of my grade book as soon as possible. Yeah, that grade, that zero is hurting my face every time I look at it. I don't want the zero. So you got to give it to them. Okay. So I think the thing that we've talked about a lot today and where we started, right, with you talking about doing all of your cleaning is that idea of does your class spark joy? Does it spark joy in you? Does it spark joy in your students? Are there ways to improve that every chance that we get? So for me, you know, it really is that organization. For other people, it could be that they uh, have found the perfect format for sharing Maybe they've figured out how to teach APA and they can teach me how to do citations so that my students understand it. But they've got a perfect little graphic that does that. They've reached out. Maybe they've reached out to our media team and they've created little tiny graphics for each one of their lessons that just really uh, exemplify what it is. Whatever it is, we want our classes to continuously grow and change in positive ways and make you excited, make your students excited about it every time they come in, that it really is that spark joy moment. Whenever you open up that next lesson and your students don't go, oh, just, oh, goodness. No, they open and they go, oh, yay, I'm going to learn about this next thing. I know what's expected of me. I'm not stressed about what's expected. I know what's been asked of me. I've been told how to do it better. And every week I get better in this class and I see my instructor getting better in this class. That to me even when we have little failures, that's the thing that is pure joy. Whenever people grow and change and get better, the more they use the technology that we have for them. That wraps up our episode on organizing and managing your Blackboard course in a way that sparks joy in you. Thanks, Abby, for being on our show. Join us next time on the Pedagogy Toolkit. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.